Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Happy Sunday. Oh my. Isn't it a blessing to be in the middle of summer? It's almost August already. And uh, my wife and I were at our, my 40-year high school reunion this weekend. It ended last night. Started the same year as the church. It's amazing. Let me introduce or let me encourage you. If you're going to be considering going to your high school reunion, go to it. Because you know what? We had an opportunity to communicate, to share, and there's a lot of heaviness when you get to the later stages of life. There's a lot more challenges. And there was a table in the back that had over 60 people who had passed away from our class of 520 or so, went to Bora High School. And it's just amazing the tightness that grows. It gets less and less pressure and more and more communal as you grow. So just encourage you to go because God needs a light wherever you are. Amen? So 40 years, oh my. So be 68 at our 50th, so we'll call it the dental reunion, or the uh, denture reunion maybe. So thrilled to be here this morning. I can't wait to speak on this particular topic. And I just want to say something as well. That report that we just heard about camp being filled with young people praising God and pressing at the junior high level, that's what it's about, guys. Wow, unbelievable. Kelly, that report was amazing. Absolutely incredible. And Kelly, you've been in a few good services over your career, haven't you? And this is one of the finest you've ever been in. That's quite amazing. So praise God. When young people go to camp, there's something about the dynamic there and the disproportionate impact. Send your kids to camp. Uh, That's one of the things I love about our church is our pastors here have prioritized camp the whole time we've ever been here. It's amazing to see. So amen. So also, when it comes to uh, spiritual growth, and in fact, I've got a clicker there. Thank you, sir. Um, we want to talk about, we can take a look at uh, this first image. Today, we're going to talk about God's design. Did you know God was the first original designer? Yeah. Is aware of that? Who was before God? No one. And he designed everything that we see. And so, but when it comes to design, one of the great things he wants us to be a part of is spiritual growth. And when someone becomes a Christian, they become this little seedling. And then the whole idea is they grow and get discipled. Amen? Isn't that the picture? That's one of the reasons why that report was so thrilling. Is because if you've had kids like we have, one of the greatest desires of your heart is that they would lean in and fall in love with God. Why? Because if they do, they follow his design. And what does his design do? It brings flourishing in every possible way. And we're going to be talking about that. But when it comes to uh, the growth of how fast we can actually help someone grow, it reminds me when someone becomes a new believer, it's like a giant empty glass vessel. And the marbles are little bits of spiritual knowledge and growth. And can I ask you a question? Is it better when we're spiritually mature or spiritually immature? Okay, mature is better, right? Why is it better? Because we can handle life. We can handle difficulty. Our carnal, fleshly ways are a lot harder to get through when our spiritual maturity is formed. That's why I love, what is the new name of it? School of Spiritual Formation. And then we'll add, and awesomeness. 
I want to sign up for that. So the school of spiritual uh, formation is what God called us to in the great verse in Matthew 28, where he said, go and make disciples in all the world. Making disciples is a process. But we're living in a moment when processes have changed in a significant way. And do you remember when you actually, some of you may not know what this word is, or uh, I guess it's two words, whiteout. Anybody know what whiteout is? Okay, got a few of our older brothers with a little gray hair. Well, whiteout is something you used to put on the computer screen. No, you actually put it on a letter. When you typed it wrong, dang it, put the whiteout on. Well, the reason you did that is because you actually had to lick an envelope and a stamp and mail it somewhere, and it took three or four days or longer to get to someone to read it, and they would go through the same process. Well, now we have something called email. Slightly faster, a lot less expensive, And actually, I wish we could go back to the old way, but uh, it's much more efficient. Well, when it comes to Christianity, wouldn't you say it's time to take a look at more fast, mature, and efficient ways to grow people in the spiritual world? Amen? Because I'll tell you what, when I came to Christ, when I was in my early 20s, I was dating a Christian gal, and she, we went to to visit a church, she wrote my name on the visitor's card, put it in the plate, and I watched it go by going, I wonder what that's going to (laughs) do. And you know what? Two more nights later, on Tuesday night, I get a knock at my door, the things we did in the 80s. We'd actually do physical follow-up to your front door. (laughs) Sounds funny to the young people. Like, what? That's just a DoorDash thing. No. (laughs) This was Spirit Dash back in the 80s. So the Spirit would come, looking like some really nice church people, and I actually wasn't home, but they left a really nice note that made me come back to a church where I became a Christian. And then I got discipled by a phenomenal godly man named Lane Franks. And he was one of the finest godly people I still know to this day, who loves the Lord, amazing evangelist. And we became roommates, and he poured his life and discipled me. And I still am connected with him nearly 40 years later. And then I moved up to Idaho and met the next incredible man who would impact me named Ken Wilde, a pastor of this church. And all of the people and the staff and the, and the godly men and women who have impact in my life, in our family's life. And then a guy named Dennis Mansfield, an amazing leader, who all three of these men, 30 plus years of investment of care, love, investment, generosity, and pouring. That's what the process looks like. Amen? We're supposed to replicate that. And what you saw up here about young men that was phenomenal to see pouring into our children. That's what this is all about. But here's the question. In this next image, um, we have to ask ourselves, how can we use modern tools to maximize the rate of spiritual maturity? Remember when you used to go to Blockbuster video? Remember that? When our girls were little, hey, go rent, whatever. We'd drive down there and they'd be sold out. Young people don't know the word sold out anymore. What's sold out? What is that? Well, it goes along with whiteout. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, nowadays we have Netflix. You know what that does? instantaneous delivery. Is it better? It's way better. Don't It's huge. Now, Netflix is a whole other subject, which we'll talk about later, which is not necessarily better at all. But what I'm getting at is this. We now have these devices in our pockets and purses, right? This is a mega powerful tool. Much of what it does is very negative, but we want to look at how to use it for the positive. Because if you're going to fight fire, how do you fight it? Usually with fire. And so, one of the great things we have an opportunity to do, and we're going to give you just a little bit of a pre-taste for this, so that you're going to get a sneak peek, of, sneak peek of something we're going to be launching in a few months here at our church, but we want you to see this. 
Because when, we came, when, I, when I became a Christian, I decided to change my whole major from computer science and wanted to be, I, for, for some reason when I was a kid, I wanted to be president of IBM. I don't know why I ever had that idea. But when I came to Christ, I wanted to go into ministry and figure out how to get the gospel out to the world using tools. And this church and this pastor over here said, let's do it. And this was the very first church uh, 33 or so years ago that helped us start a ministry to say, let's put the gospel in the secular airways. And now we're using modern tools. And so today, for the very first time, you're going to see something that no other church will be able to see for a few months. This is going to be deployed first today in our church to do something to accelerate the growth of those marbles of spiritual growth. All right? So take a look. So in this image, what we have is the use of this tool to be able to get us to a place where a new believer can grow rapidly. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed in our church, almost every Sunday or every service, people will make a decision to follow Christ? They're a new seedling. How do we help them grow rapidly? Well, we're using this in all kinds of ways. Oh, I learned lots on TikTok. I 16 swipes and I'm an expert on something. Well, I'm not sure about that. But wouldn't it be nice if we can use the same tools for godly spiritual growth? Amen? So right now, we're going to do something. I'm going to ask... If you wouldn't mind, everyone who can, to participate in this, this is designed for brand new Christians. But here's the thing. This is phenomenal content built by this extraordinary ministry called the Bible Project. The Bible Project is in Portland, Oregon, with brilliant designers, brilliant theologians who are making content that is so well done that explains the Bible and spiritual growth in the most extraordinary of ways. How many of you guys are familiar with the Bible Project? Isn't it great? Just phenomenal. Now, what I love about their content, there's these beautiful videos that they distill down. It's kind of like when you get a cinnamon roll. What you really want to do is just grab the middle of it and eat it, right? That's the way you eat a cinnamon roll. Just boom, you're done. It's like 31 of those in a row is what we want to have happen. So what I'm going to show you is if you look at this image again, wouldn't it be amazing is when someone comes to Christ in the sanctuary in that moment and then is simply told, hey, text out this simple word into your phone or scan a QR code and it's going to then drip and nurture you for the next 31 days automatically every day to walk you through this beautiful content from the Bible Project, which is all free of charge. This whole thing is free. And then it helps grow someone much more rapidly. Because the truth is, I really believe if we want growth, what we need is this single word, immersion. We need to be immersed in whatever it is that we want to do if we want true change. True behavioral shift requires immersion. And when someone comes to Christ, they often walk out of the sanctuary or online, and they've got this in their hand. They're immersed in something completely different. So this really helps accelerate that whole process. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Let me show you this next image. So this is what it looks like. There's this handsome young pastor named Pastor Chris Wilde. And so when, when someone scans her text, which I'm going to ask you to do in a moment, they get an immediate video that says, congratulations, welcome to the family. We're so excited about your new decision to follow Christ or rededicate your life. And we're here, we, we here at Capital would love to help you grow. And so each day for the next 31 days, it's going to send you automatically a text in the morning so you can grow in your faith and get your heart set on him. And by the way, if you forget, no problem. It'll remind you at six o'clock later that evening. It knows what you did and didn't do, kind of like Santa. All right? That doesn't match the theology. Edit that out. Okay. So the whole idea here, if you show the image again, is it puts someone on this pathway. And you know what? If they binge forward and I watch eight in a row because they can't wait, no problem. The next morning, it gives them episode nine and knows right where they are. Here's the best part. There's no app. There's no email. There's no registration. There's no passwords. It's all frictionless. 
It's so simple. And then after we develop more and more content, we'll be adding other types of things on numbers of environments to be able to serve the local church, God's chosen instrument to reach the world. Amen? All right. So this yellow brick road starts with one simple thing. So I'm going to ask you in just a second, I'm going to put up the big QR code. The way that this works is usually for new believers, but because we're kind of giving you a pre-taste, I'm going to ask you to be a part of the test group. So most of you are going to be somewhat familiar, but let me tell you, this content is so good, no matter what level of spiritual maturity you have, this is so valuable. So it would be very helpful for us, the church, etc., to see how people watch, what they binge, etc., and there's a feedback button, etc. So would you guys mind joining us in this? Okay, so if you can grab your phone, go ahead and scan this with your phone. Now you're not taking a picture, okay? Do not take a photo. This is designed when you zoom in on it, it's going to actually pull up a text. It's going to trigger your phone to create a text, okay? And that text is going to automatically populate with a specific word, okay? So when you scan that, just look on your phone, it'll look something like this, and this has a QR code on it as well. So the little yellow thing will pop up, or a text, or if you've got an Android, it'll actually say something right along the bottom. So you tap that, and that will pre-fill out capital Next, Devo. And then when that comes in on your screen, you can simply tap send. And when you tap send, that goes into the system and it will send you a message back. And all you have to do is type Y-E-S. That's the whole process. And when you type yes, it gives permission to then send you the very first episode and then they will start dripping or nurturing to your mobile device that you've asked for on a regular daily basis. And again, if you binge watch and you just love to go ahead, no problem, it'll track with right where you are. So that's the way that it works, and that will trigger the yellow brick road. Okay, man? Just follow the yellow brick road. Woo! That's all you gotta do. All right? So if you missed that, did anybody one more chance to scan it? Okay, let me put that up one more time. Here it is. So just scan that with your phone, and that will put that into the system. Now, if you get tired of it, if for some reason you don't like it, all you have to do is call Pastor Ken, and he'll call me, and I'll call through. No, I'm kidding. All I have to do is hit stop. That's all there is to it. All right? Very, very simple. So this moment right now has been in preparation for many, many, many months. And we're looking for brand new ways to serve the local church in ways that collect people to their local church and their spiritual growth. Amen? All right. So thank you. It's an exciting day. Okay. So let's dig into bigger piece of God's design, the first piece of God's design really is all around how he designed us to grow and exactly what the passion of God is, is for us to grow as his people. And when we grow, we have amazing tools to do our devotionals, etc. And that's where we're excited to add a new piece of te technology to make that simple as well. So when it comes to God's design, let's take a look at this image. God created things in a very specific manner. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about a subject a little bit later in the message that this is just a taste because Pastor Chris is going to walk us through a really big and important deeper piece of what I'm going to introduce today as kind of the, the teaser to a message. But we want to explore God's heart as a designer. But let me ask a question. Do we hold up designers with high importance in our culture today in America and around the world? I know we're in church, but this is okay. Okay. Anybody recognize these logos? Okay. So my daughter reminded me how to say the, the bottom one. I'm still trying to, how do you say the bottom right one? It's not Hermes, right? It's Hermé, I think it is. Did I get that right? Okay. Does anybody have an Hermé bag? I'd like to see what that looks like. If you do, give it to someone and feel better by yourself today. No, just kidding. 
I would love to see that. These designers, again, I'm not, 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 not uh, putting them down at all. We respect them all over the world. And if you look at this uh, next image, when design is done poorly, it stands out, right? There's just something about design when it's not done quite properly. And then when beautiful design has something that's on top of it that doesn't belong, it does something to our spirit. There's something about that that does not align. And when we see graffiti or different things that are there, it's not something that aligns with the way we're designed. There's something about it that's wrong. And we have to ask, why is that? Well, it's because we are in the image of our creator. And that's why we love to create. Designing is creation. And in fact, when you look at uh, designing, it's a fascinating thing because design is a broad term that encompasses the process of artistic skills, problem solving, creating, planning, or conceiving something with a specific purpose or intention in mind. There's a lot going on in design and in beautiful design. And when we think about it, it's not something new. Something that's been around a very long time. You may recognize some of these beautiful structures of gorgeous design. And then we have some of the people who are a little bit older in their design works. Leonardo da Vinci, highly respected for his design. If you've been to the Louvre in Paris and seen that in person, it's a beautiful picture, but it's really small. It's amazing how it's all these people, and there it is. And then there's Michelangelo. And then I find out, you know what? When you want to show Michelangelo's work, a whole lot of naked people. So I get a big wide shot there. So beautiful work. Yeah, you'll find that out when you research this. So, but also God has extraordinary design. But before we get that, we have someone who is involved in that process. So Kirsten, can I ask you a quick question? Can you come up here for just a second? Can someone give her a mic? Because Kirsten has made a living of working with people to help beautiful design. So maybe we'll share this. Okay. Well, maybe we should share this one instead of this one. That might be less uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially with Shane sitting there. <laughs> so, when you work with a client, yeah. Kirsten, mm -hmm. you come in and they often want you to create something in their space. Mm -hmm. What does that process look like briefly? And also, how does it make them feel when you're done? Well, the process is really fun because when we start the whole project, we're finding out who they are, what's important to them, aspects of the house that mean a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when we finish the whole project, which is, could be from a renovation to the whole furniture, all of it, it's, an, it's a very exciting moment because it's something that's beautiful, but it's not just beautiful, it's meaningful to yes. them. And that's the best part about design is that it's not, um, we don't just walk into a West Elm and pick out right. all the same furniture and just stick it into every house. Mm -hmm. No, we take it and we make it personal and we bring in beautiful things from their past, their present and their future. And yeah, sometimes and there's tears when they see it. And when they're done, does it leave a huge deposit of refreshment and joy? Yes. And do they pay a large amount of money for that? Yes. Yes. Very nice. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Not Kirsten. always. Appreciate it. Yeah, okay. There's the budget side and when necessary. The reason we bring that out is because we write checks for things we value. And beautiful design, there are entire TV shows that my wife has constantly wanted to switch over to about people who have the reveal of the design and everybody's crying. I'm like, really? Another one? Don't let the next one stop. Don't, don't start it. You got to see the before and after. We are drawn to that. And there's a reason for that. And so when it comes to God's elegant design as well, so if you look at this image, there's also an extraordinary design around the things that he's made. And if you think about it, he's designed the universe. He's designed the earth 
our current home. He's designed the operating system of the universe, which includes gravity, physics, quantum mechanics, um, not to mention the orbit of the solar system and the orbit of the atoms and molecules that spin inside of our bodies. Did you know those almost look the same? They're called kind of fractals at the large and the micro level. There's a spinning universe inside of the micro and the macro. And what's amazing in our physical bodies, he's built our minds. And in the 90s, the President of the United States called it the decade of the brain because the brain had the ability to be seen through neuroscience and the ability to watch the brain waves uh, work in real time because of imaging. And that imaging allows us to see how it performs. And then we began to realize, I went to a retreat here recently with a man that was talking about um, the theological neuroscience and how theology and neuroscience actually beautifully align because guess what? The designer is the one who made it. And it was talking about the difficulty the brain has keeping us calm because we're constantly giving it things to do fight or flight and how you bring it peace, which we're gonna talk about. But also we're dealing with the God who created the heart that pumps the blood and the oxygen that flows through our very being as well as our souls and our spirits. And he also designed a way to relate to him. He designed a miraculous pathway to redeem us. <clears throat> and if we fell in the garden, he also designed a pathway to redeem us. <clears throat> and guess when he designed that? It says before the foundation of the world. God is outside of time. It's a construct we live inside, but God doesn't. And then also, he also designed a pathway to relate to him. He also designed a pathway to relate to others, which includes, in James 2.8, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the design. And then in Philippians 2, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, valuing others more important than ourselves. Is that a design feature? That's how he created it. Guess how peaceful the world would be if we followed that great command. And then also, he even created a consistent way that we need to behave just to have peace in ourselves. This is one of my uh, favorite uh, verses in Galatians. It's the famous living in the nine verse, which is filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the design. When we walk according to design, it's amazing. But he even designed a way to relate to our enemies. In Matthew 5, he says, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's a designer. He's thought of all of it. And so when we look at his beautiful designs and these, some of these images here, we think about what he's created. They bring us peace. When you want to get away, you go to places like this. This kind of looks like Twin Falls. And then beautiful places that bring peace and calm to your soul. There's just something about these images that are amazing. And then when he made mankind, he created humans with beauty. But what's always interesting, it's fascinating that Halloween often brings out the exact opposite. Because what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to counteract everything God creates that's beautiful. The enemy is the graffiti to the masterpiece. And to me, as I see these skeletons and all these things, all this death, that is such a picture of what the enemy is trying to do to degrade everything about God's beautiful design. And so that's what we want to be careful of is that we don't live our lives in a way that brings us there. So in this image, I want to bring us uh, a kind of a reminder here. I've got a little globe over here. And I just want to remind you, this is not to scale. Okay. So <clears throat> take a look at what we have here 
as a reminder of the significance of this, what's interesting about uh, the month of July, July is one of my favorite months, not only because it's summer, but because July 20th comes up in the month of July. July 20th, 1969, what occurred? Anybody? Any space fans? That's the day Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon. It was only in 1904 that the Orville and Wilbur Wright discovered flight, and from 1984 to 1969, we're landing on the moon. It's one of the greatest achievements of human innovation. It's nothing compared to what God's done. But here's what's interesting about that. One of the reasons that made it so hard is take a look at this next slide. And the reason I'm bringing all this up because I want to put a framework together of the way God has an extreme level of design and order that works beautifully. So let's look at these words together and consider this. So you've got this spinning globe here. This beautiful emerald planet God made for us may feel stationary, but it's on the move. So right now, does everybody feel like you're stationary? Like you're not on the tilt-a-whirl at the fair, right? Or stationary. Actually, maybe not. Consider this amazing engineering feat of design. The Earth orbits the sun, so it goes around the sun, 66,000 miles an hour. That's how fast we're going right now. Has anybody ever gone that fast? Yeah, all of us have. We're doing it now, all right? So 66,000 miles per hour, completing that circle, guess what? Surprise, every 365.25 days. That's what it takes to go around the sun. Well, in simultaneous, it's spinning while traveling through space, west to east, it's traveling and spinning on a degree of 23.5 at an axis, and then it's also spinning at 1,040 miles per hour like this while it's going 66,000 miles an hour. This is mind-bending, really. And then, by the way, it's exactly 93 million miles from the sun. 93 million miles. Just a little bit closer, we'd be burned up. A little farther away, we'd be frozen to death. So this is all happening every day, 24 hours a day. This is what makes the sun rise. It doesn't actually rise. We actually just turn around it, right? So why do we bring this up? God is amazing. God created a pattern. He's the designer. He created some of the most extraordinary things in the world. And anytime I feel overwhelmed, there's a verse that came across many years ago out of Job, Job 26, I don't know how Job was thinking of this, but the Job 26, seven says, he suspends the earth over nothing. He holds all of it, all of it together, always. So as we think about this, we need to consider, do we trust the designer? Do we trust him? Everything he's made, I don't know how he handles evolutionists. I just don't. Really? Really? Okay, really. Well, guess what? He created such a beautiful scenario around us, and the big question is, is he good? And also, does he have our best interest at heart? And so I wanted to ask us that question because uh, when it comes to the question about the greatest designer, he also designed us for something else. And that's something else we wanna talk about right now, but I wanna begin this with a couple of lumberjacks, all right? so. Can I have a couple of volunteers, two guys that know their way around an axe? All right. Nick, you know your way around an axe? All right, we need another guy. Who else knows their way around a hatchet? There we go. Come on, everybody. So Nick, why don't you grab this one? Come on over here. So these hold, very interesting illustration. What's your name? Axel. Axel. Come on. 
Perfect. Are you making that up? Okay, this is church, you can't lie. All right, okay. So we got Axel and Nick. Sorry, Nick. That's pretty amazing. This was not planned. So if these two guys were in an axe competition to chop the most amount of wood, which kind of sounds like a, how much wood could have, I won't go there. So, but when it comes to these two guys, let me ask you, this is actually a real thing that happens. And apparently a long time ago, where they're kind of talking on the microphones like the Golf Channel, like, okay, this one's got the axe, he's hitting real hard. Over several hours, they were just going at it like crazy. And at one moment, one of the guys takes their axes and puts it down and stops. So if you guys want to just lightly put that axe in that wood right there. Okay, so it's in there. So one of the guys, let's say Nick, keeps going and he's going like crazy. And he's just going, this goes on for hours to see who can be fastest at this. But then Axel over here does this. He stops. He actually sits down here and breathes and rests. And then the people who are actually um, covering this are like, we don't know what's happening. We think Axel might have lost his mind. He's the, Nick's over there getting way ahead. Well, all of a sudden, what they don't realize is when he sits down, he also pulls out this little metal thing and begins to sharpen the axe on this side and then the other. And he gets his bottle of water, rests his muscles, rests his lungs, then gets a protein bar, plant-based, no high fructose, eats it in there. And then all of a sudden, after a few minutes, the axe is sharpened, his body is rested, the energy is back, he's got protein and nutrients and water, he gets back up, and he begins again. And do you know who actually wins this race? Axel. And the first time apparently that happened, they couldn't believe their eyes. Because more and more energy on a more and more dilling blade, turns out, is not nearly as effective as peace, rest, restoration, and a sharper blade. Amen? Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you. Can you stick it back in there? Thanks, buddy. Thank you. That illustration brings us to the major point of what we want to talk about. But I wanted to begin talking about a bigger point. Because if you're like me at all, the concept of Sabbath, I've heard about it. I already know about that. It's kind of like the great suggestion. Right? There's ten commandments. Nine of them are commandments. One of them's like, if you feel like it. It's kind of, you know, suggested, but it's up to you. Well, that's what we want to talk about. But in the context of God's overall grand design is the way we want to look at it. And so as we think about this, think about a couple of things. And let's look at this verse here in Genesis. Because this is where it began. And it began way before the Ten Commandments. Genesis 2.2 and 3 says, By the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is a very interesting moment because God is modeling something he himself, almighty God who suspends the earth over nothing, decided to say, I am modeling this and by the way, I am blessing this. And I'll tell you what, when God blesses something, it happens. When he says, "Mm, let there be light, let there be earth, let there be mankind, it happens. When he says, I bless this, it happens. This is still alive. And that blessing 
works forever because he is eternal. The problem is somehow in our American culture and our way of thinking, we see it as the great suggestion that's, hmm, I don't know. But every other part of his design is gorgeous, beautiful, and meticulously thought through. And when you take it out of its order, it doesn't function properly. Every cell in our being, when it's going right, is beautiful. You know what cancer is? Renegade cells that hurt and destroy and kill because it's not in the pattern. It's not in the design. Well, when it comes to the design, let's look at uh, a couple of things. So when you think about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, the first four all relate to God. The rest of the six relate human to human. But that fourth one is an interesting conversion over to the next, God to man. Well, if we're going to relate well to God and relate well to man, four is the fulcrum point, which is very, very interesting. But I don't think we've ever seen it that way. And also, when we think about Shabbat, what does actually the Sabbath mean? Well, what's fascinating is Sabbath, which is actually spelled just slightly differently, means Shabbat. And I was so blessed. My wife and I finally got to go to Israel in March and Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat, all kinds of very interesting things in Jerusalem. And so one of the things that happened on Shabbat is the place shuts down. Now, this is a whole different sermon on legalism, but there's a way to do the, 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 um, the Sabbath and the ways, there's a way not to. Jesus was accused of doing it the wrong way. Listen, the Sabbath was meant to bless man, right? It's a huge difference. But elevators... In the hotels in Israel, they have certain elevators that are designated as the Shabbat elevators. You know why? They go to every single floor. There's no button pushing because that would be work. I know that's kind of interesting, but it's literally to this day, that's the way that it works. It goes to every single floor, and it just, so you don't have to touch a button. It's a very fascinating scenario, but the whole idea of Shabbat, if you bring up this image again, is here's what it means. It actually means stop. It means rest. It means cessation. You've heard of smoking cessation? It means stop smoking. Cessation. It's all about being able to say, I stopped six days inventing, creating, building the universe, and then I stopped. Did God need rest himself? No, but we do. Always do we. And so when we think about this, we have to look at our culture. And so when we look at this image of our culture, what's happening in our culture? Is it getting healthier or is it going the other direction? The amount of depression, the amount of anxiety is continuing to rise. I think this device is not helping us in many, many ways. Also, comparison, the thief of joy. We are in a comparison-laden world. And you know what? This is one of the most important things we've got to stop doing is comparing because God is not about us comparing ourselves to one another. That steals our joy, which also steals our sleep. Take a look at this number. This is just the people who have actual diagnosed chronic sleep deprivation. This is not just people who are just, oh, I'm tired because I'm still up too late. This is chronic sleep deprivation. 70 million Americans. This is a massive problem. And when it comes to deprivation of sleep, this causes all kinds of issues. Let's like take a look at a quick list. This list is somewhat amazing because it's 17 things just because you're not getting enough sleep. So let's take a quick look at this. And let's ask ourselves, is this part of God's design? Weakened, pardon me, impaled, impaired. Impaired vision is where it starts. Uh, Impaired cognitive function, which means your brain doesn't think right, right? Weakened immune system, mood changes, and emotional instability. If we just stopped at the top three, not so well. 
Okay, so let's take a look at that again. So number four, increased risk of chronic conditions, impaired physical performance, hormonal imbalances, aging effects, weight gain and obesity risk, increased risk of accidents, cardiovascular health issues, reduced libido and sexual function, impaired glucose metabolism, increased risk of mental health issues, impaired memory consolidation, weakened exercise performance and recovery, weakened skin health, and lowered productivity and performance at work or school. How's that for the benefits of staying up and working all the time? Or staying up too late? Have you ever done this? I'm just gonna look at a few. How did four hours go by? How did 14 minutes go? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a time travel. Uh, that's our grandbaby right there. It's very cool. So the ability to waste time has never been higher. But what's amazing is we go into the time warp and we don't even realize how fast it goes by. Now, I'm a relatively disciplined person. And I'm like, once I start, it's like, where did the time go? I don't know how young people who have been wired this way, who are digital natives, who have neuroplasticity that's been designed for this, ever stop. No wonder they're exhausted. The addiction, the dopamine hit, is exactly the way the large companies are designed it to maintain levels of attention we've never seen before in our lives. People say people have short attention spans. That's true, but they've designed platforms to keep that attention going and going and going until you are exhausted. And that list of those 17 things, bring that list up again, please. Does that look at all like what God's intention for our design is? In fact, it's the exact opposite. In fact, it looks exactly like the skeleton. Everything on that list leads to looking like the skeleton instead of the beautiful, healthy face and image. So how do we deal with this? Well, let's take a look at a verse, probably one of the most famous Psalms in all the world. Many of us have this memorized. But I want us to read this verse in the light of the 17 things we just read. So let's take a look at Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack nothing. Number two in this verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Doesn't that just make you want to lay down and have a nap and just go, oh, I just love life. Because let me ask you a question. When you ask the average person when you see one another, like the other night at our high school reunion, when you say, hey, how are you? What's often the answer? Busy. What I normally hear is relaxed and lots of margin. How about you? Oh, wait, no. What's that? Never heard? Someone else, what's that little thing? Nobody ever, never said? Something along those lines. Well, when I look at that psalm, if you can bring that psalm back up again, when you consider what's here contrasted with all of the trending, especially in the United States, it's going the exact opposite of this psalm. 
the exact opposite. The good news is I believe the pendulum is going so far, it's finally becoming patently obvious that we're killing ourselves. And so people um, like Joel and Allie King, we're excited Pastor Chris is gonna be interviewing them and talking to them. Hopefully Allie knows about this uh, in future sermons because they have been living this Sabbath life at a level that I can't tell you how exciting it is. My wife was asking me, honey, you're gonna be talking about the Sabbath? I'm like, I know, I'm doing it as a student, <laughs> not as an expert, okay? She goes, okay, I feel more relaxed about it now because this is not an easy subject. I got together with Joel for breakfast. He brought a book, a stack of books this high, the ones he hadn't given away yet, and pages and pages of notes because you know what? Sometimes we have to go, this is not working. We've got to figure out how to swing the pendulum the other way. Psalm 23, if you can bring that up back again, this psalm represents what it looks like if you did meet someone and ask them how they're doing, this is what the design is supposed to sound like. Oh, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm so good. The Lord is so good. He's my shepherd. Wow, you know what? I don't lack anything. Well, I thought you guys were broke. Oh, we are. We don't lack anything. You still need gas money? I was just praying for that. Thank you. This is awesome. What a conversation. And then I've been resting. My priorities are in order. I'm filled with peace inside. I'm so thrilled about what God's doing in my life right now. And guess what else? You know what? I got all of this stuff going on. I got enemies everywhere, challenges, but God's feeding me in front of all of these people. And you know what? I'm just so calm and my head feels anointed with oil. I'm so pleased with God's blessing in my life. Does any of that spirit reflect the frenetic life we're living? It doesn't. We have got to come back to the centeredness of this famous song. Why is it so famous? Because it represents our design. That's why we resonate with it. But I've never really seen it. I looked it up in multiple different um, translations and all of them say, almost all of them say the same thing. He makes me lie down. Why does he make us? Maybe because he knows us. And also, by the way, when you get your oil changed in your car, do you do it while you're driving? I've never tried it, because it's possible. Might take a few people hanging outside the doors, but it's stopped and it's up on a rack usually. And then you do what you need to to bring maintenance to that automobile. And if you don't, we all know what happens. If you have kids who don't know what the emoji that says the little oil thing is, then you'll also know it burns the motor out. It's funny, they call it an emoji. So when it comes to surgery, when you get surgery, they only do it when you're stopped. In fact, you're sedated. And in fact, you're lying down. The way we get dramatic change is through ceasing, stopping, resting. That's what brings regeneration. And Psalm 23, I believe, is one of the greatest examples of that. How does he refresh our soul? What is the grand theme in the design for the greatest, most loved, and sacrificed for creation? Rest is not just rest, but it's the design of the rhythm of rest. And this is what I was really excited about that I've learned from Joel and others, and Pastor Chris is going to talk about in more detail, is it's not this command that we're supposed to do, it's this rhythm we're supposed to follow. It's an issue of a rhythm that allows us to have this cycle of peace, because that's really what it's about. Can exhausted, let me ask this question, can exhausted, consistently marginless, stressed people, believers, Christians, actually live out God's design 
at all if we look like that list of 17. Because the other key piece is, how do we get differentiated from the world? Because it actually says the way we're differentiated is by our love one for another and by our unity. Well, I don't think we look like we're loving one another if we're frazzled and stressed out all the time. And also, does it honor or dishonor God when we behave this way? I don't think we've seen it as a dishonored piece. I think we've seen it as getting ahead and seen it as it's necessary. But I think now, because of this device, it's given us even more reason to be addicted to being addicted without even realizing it. And so there's a, a uh, in, the, in the word Sabbath, there's also this concept of the authority. So listen to this from R.C. Sproul. He said, the very word authority has within it the word author. Never thought of that before. The word author is the first word in authority. An author is someone who creates and possesses a particular work. And so far as God is the foundation of all authority, he exercises that foundation because he is the author and the owner of his creation. He is the foundation upon which all other authority stands and falls. It's by his authority, he said, rest is a gift. Rest is a blessing. And it's also the fuel that our spirits were designed to run on. So when it comes to Sabbath, listen to this quick list. What does Sabbath bring? And it's not just a Sabbath, it's a rhythm of, of life. It brings physical rest, it brings reduced stress, improved mental health, enhanced productivity, stronger relationships, spiritual growth, cultivation of gratitude, healthy work-life balance, increased creativity, and alignment with God's values himself. Wow, that's a very different list. And that's a list that I think puts us in alignment with Psalm 23. So when we look at this as well, look at this next image. When we think about without rest, we simply cannot be the people God created us to be. Let that sink in for a second. If you don't rest, how can you really do it? And the Sabbath was built into the rhythm of creation. It started way before the commandment. The Sabbath is blessed, Genesis 2. The Sabbath is holy. What does holy mean? Holy means separated. That's why you separate from the rest of your week. You separate from your phone. You separate from social media. You separate from all kinds of things. Why? Because that's what holy is. God called us to be that way. And also, it's not just a day off, but it's a day of worship. And it doesn't mean, oh, good, Sabbath is hymns all day. It's not what Sabbath is. Sabbath can also mean communing with people. It means doing something that refreshes the soul. And it's also both a command and a gift. And you know what else? It's a day to remember. God is big on remembering things. The healthiest of all emotions is gratitude. And when I went to this neuroscience theology retreat piece and the spiritual um, teaching on our brains, long story short, essentially taught you that the brain is so stressed so much of the time, the way you can rewire the brain is by simply doing this three times a day for a month. If you spend five minutes three times a day going through the list of things that bring you joy and that you're grateful for, what it does is it somehow turns on the lobe that quiets the part that's always pumping out the, the uh, chemicals that keep you stressed and keep the fight or flight. And so by three times a day doing this, the brain starts going, calms down, calms down, calms down. Oh, another calm down. Oh, another calm down. And it finally retrains it to go, oh, this is our new pattern. Guess how it's done? Gratitude. Obedience to professing with our mouth what we're grateful for. It's amazing. This is literal neuroscience. They can see it on the screen in real time through uh, imaging of what actually happens in the brain when you do this. It's fascinating. 
Who created the brain? God did. Jesus did. Who created that spinning globe for us to live on? God created it all with a beautiful image. And then also the word uh, renew comes from the word uh, tikkun, which is the Hebrew word. But what's cool about renew is it's not just to renew, but it's to renew and make better than new. Make better than. So when we refresh and get restored, when you go exercise, it breaks down the muscle, right? Does it come back to normal or is it renewed and restored better than it was before? Same thing. When we go after this concept of Sabbath and rest, we get renewed better than before. Then we look like 23 verses 17. Hey, that, that might be a thing. That's cool. Jordan versus whatever is 17, right? So when we think about this as well, one thing I want to remind us of, look at this image. Both are technically food. Technically, right? So we have to be careful that we don't confuse rest with distraction. Not working with just sitting and watching television or looking at social media or just doing nothing. That is not necessarily at all restoration, Sabbath, and fuel to the soul. Because just like eating that corn dog and um, french fries will fill you up, but will also fill up your arteries. It'll also give you a tremendous down cycle if you create this pattern. But if you eat, you know, the salmon or the salad or whatever it may be, this is something that brings health and energy. But that image is something we have to be reminded of. When Sabbath is there, it doesn't just mean we have counterfeit Sabbath. We actually have it in a rhythm that's authentic and life-giving. Okay? So also, when it comes to this list, if look at that uh, verse in Hebrews. This is really important because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And does, does it take faith and require faith to stop? I don't know about you, but it's tough to stop, especially if you're in a competitive landscape. Let's say you're in sales and you want to hit the number one deal. You want to hit your bonuses. You want to hit the trip, whatever it may be. You got to work harder, longer, faster, right? To stay up with things. At least that's what the culture tells us. But here's what's interesting. Can God do more with 90 than 100 of your money? Does he bless it when we go, I trust you in Hebrews 11 faith. I don't know how I'm going to pay gas, pay my mortgage, but I'm going to give anyway. The same thing is relevant to the way we deal with our time. Because time is a faith issue, isn't it? You got to figure this out. And again, I'll tell you, um, appreciate Joel's heart on this. Of all the jobs in the church, what's one of the busiest ones? Executive pastor. Whole lot going on. But you know what's important is to figure out, I don't care how busy we are, what's God's design? Design is a specific axis, a specific speed, and a specific purpose and a specific distance. His rhythm is also specific in our daily lives. And we already know through the trending of all of the reports exactly where we're going the wrong way. And brothers, sisters in Christ, we've got to look different. We've got to look different, not to the world only, but to our families We've got to change the way we think about this. Let me give you a quick illustration of proof. Let me give you marketplace proof. I don't know if I can work less hours. That's, that, eh, you're messing with me now, Michael. That's threatening here. This, I can't do that. I'm a business owner. I'm a startup. I know this, whatever. Well, let's take a look at something. Take a look at this image. McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, all right? Beef versus chicken, all right? Let's take a look at this. Vegetarians, hold on for a minute. So we all know McDonald's is way bigger right? Been around a lot longer and they make a whole lot more money, right? Wrong. Take a look at this marketplace example. The rhythm of rest. Chick-fil-A 
The store average of revenue is $5.9 million in sales per year with a profit of just under a million dollars per store. What does McDonald's do? Per store average, 2.5 million in sales, profit average 475,000. Let me ask you a question. Is 5.9 million bigger and larger than 2.5 million? I think it is. By over double, or by, by over double, right? And then we threw in Taco Bell just for the fun of it. Taco Bell, 1.6 million in sales, 336,000 in profit, okay? Unless there's, I guess there's less margin in beans. Well, guess what? Chick-fil-A, as we all know, is not open today. This is where we all sigh, right? It's the day, oh, it's Sunday. That's right. Chick-fil-A is open for fewer days and fewer hours per day. And look what they've accomplished through the rhythm of Sabbath. Wow. Have you ever seen more clear proof? This is the kind of proof that really is strengthening to our faith because when it comes to large enterprise marketplace competitive environments, this is a really scary place to go, we're gonna be closed. And you know what? The Green family with the Hobby Lobby, you know what they decided? We're gonna be closed. You know why? Because it's the rhythm of God. And you know what else it is? It's an honor to their employees. It's a blessing. Some of the malls are like, what do you mean when you're closed? We're not, sorry, that's the way we do it. They kill their competition. So does Chick-fil-A. Did you guys, were you guys aware of that, comp- that contrast between McDonald's and Chick-fil-A? Isn't that amazing? Oh, and also, by the way, just as a bonus, what's their leadership style at Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby? It's Christ-centered, serving, considering others more important. What do they say when you get your bag of Chick-fil-A? What, what comes out of their mouth? My pleasure. At McDonald's, they struggle to find, or, McDo- or Burger King, employees. Have you ever gone up there and like, sorry, we're closed early, how come? Shortage of employees. Go to, go to um, Chick-fil-A. They're beating a, a line out the door of people who want to work there because of the heart of this is the rhythm of rest, the rhythm of honor. Amen? Isn't that great? That God's word proves out in the mathematicians. The secular CPA is like, I don't get it, but they're right. It's much better. Amen? Isn't that cool? Amen. Love that. So just as a quick image, keep this in mind. The chicken wins out on the cow, all right? So let that be a faith uh, memory here. So the Sabbath, everything from Jesus is an invitation. Remember that famous picture of uh, Jesus at the door? I stand at the door and knock. Have you guys ever seen that old painting? And there's no, there's no door handle on the outside. You have to let him in from the inside. Everything's an invitation. Basic morality is a command. But look at this. Maturity and human flourishing is optional. Isn't that interesting? Hey, I don't, you know, do all kinds of sinful things and I don't go with girls who do. Okay, good for you. But are you leaning into maturity and human flourishing? Because that's optional. But that's what the world needs to see. Aren't you tired of Christians looking like the rest of the world? Well, wisdom, health, maturity is an invitation from Jesus. And you have to decide if you're committed to following his design. Because the great designer designed it not just to be a burden at all, but to be a blessing. There is no burden if you do it right. In fact, there's even a verse that says, his yoke is what? Easy. What a designer. That's a, that's a great suit. It's not heavy. And then lastly, look at this st- statement at the bottom of that page here. I love this. A spirit of restfulness is spiritual warfare in a society consumed with anxiety and pursuit. 
if you show up at your reunion at work, at church, at school, wherever it is, with that peace, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, how are you? Not in a prideful way, but in a peaceful way. I've got margin, what do you need? How are things going? And perspective is important. So quick illustration here. There's a famous thing, you may have heard the story before where there's a person who is on a subway who is super irritated. There was a gentleman who had three children on the subway that were sitting there and the kids were running wild. That father wasn't paying any attention to them and they were annoying everyone. And there was one particular person that was just watching this going, oh, this is so frustrating. And they were so mad at this dad for not taming his children. So that person finally went, oh, sir, excuse me, do you see your children? Would you please collect them and calm them down? It's annoying everyone on the train. Oh, I am so sorry. Hey kids, come here, sit down. I apologize, ma'am. We just came from the hospital. Their mother just passed away from cancer. We're on our way home. That one change in the equilibrium of what that person was going through changes the way you view everything. Can we see people that way if we are exhausted? When we're in line and we're gosh, oh, hurry up, can we consider others more important than ourselves? When we are overflowing with too much to do and our mind is filled with pressure and anxiety and I gotta get here and I haven't been rested and I went up late, I got up late, we can't stop and consider others through the lens that God intended in his design. Jesus somehow is being crucified and they're sticking things into his side and he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That takes exactly what Jesus showed, Jesus showed us is abiding. He only had three and a half years to get it done. And he still was going away to abide and rest with his father. Wow. So I'm gonna have you do something real quick. Look across the sanctuary, if you would, through the middle at somebody else. So the people sitting up here, look at somebody in the back. People in the back, look at someone in front. Just try to find somebody's face, all right? Look all the way across the room like a big giant crisscross, okay? You got somebody? All right, super. So what if all of a sudden in the middle of the room was a giant cross? And that cross allowed us to be able to see things through a different lens. And so, oh wait, there is a giant cross in the middle of the room. Thank you, Josh. So look again, try to see if you can find that same person you were looking at and think for a moment, what's the purpose of all of this stopping and resting and Psalm 23 so that when we look to another person across the room, it goes through the lens of the cross. It goes through the lens of someone who bore it all, who gives us the ability to see others through Christ's eyes. But an exhausted brain pumping out all of these chemicals that make us fight or flight will not, res will not be able to see what's really intended for God to see. Amen? Amen. Whew. Thank you. This moment, just one last image to be reminded of, if you've seen the previous message, there's a word, it's called radical. Being a radical Christian, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means to do the fundamentals. There's proof because all those people who think by the exception go, that does not mean that, it means that. Look it up. If we wanna be radical in our faith, we need to do the basics. And it turns out one of the most basic things is commandment number four. Be at peace by having rest. Why do we need rest? Because God designed it that way. Thank you for the gift, Lord.
So I want you to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. I'm gonna ask you to contemplate a question. As you think about this message and you think about God's design for your individual life, firstly, I would imagine there's a huge amount of gratitude. Lord, we wanna thank you for the way you designed us. Thank you for the giver that you are, the perfect father that you are. You are the father that told the story about the young man who takes his inheritance and runs away and squanders it, but the daddy who runs after him when he comes home. God, thank you for that design. And church and those watching online, I would just ask you right now to ask yourself, am I following that design? Some of you are, some of you have already been there. Some of us are way behind on this topic. And we're gonna talk about that more in the weeks to come as Pastor Chris unpacks it. But I wanna ask you right now in this moment, if you're feeling like, yeah, God's talking to my heart in a big way right now. I'm way overdoing it. And I am not abiding in that beautiful peace of stopping and refilling. I would just ask you right now, if that's you, and you wanna say, Lord, I'm serious about this. I wanna walk with you to a whole nother way. To go ahead and just show him by standing. Just stand up and say, Lord, as a symbol of my commitment to you this morning, July 30th, 2023, I wanna change into the rhythm. I won't do it perfectly, but I wanna learn. I wanna lean in. I would just ask you right now to go ahead and stand up. For those of you feeling like God's putting that on your heart, stand up and say, yeah. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.